This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we'll be looking at our business tips and a couple of ideas there that will help you grow your business. We're also talking with Brett Gleeson, the manager of the Business Growth Centre, about managing projects. But right now we're going to have a Jeff chat with Jeff Ingram, the franchising professionals, about tips to buying a franchise. Good afternoon, Jeff. Good afternoon, Julian. Um, well, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, uh, probably a lot of people out there thinking about buying a business or particularly a franchise at some stage. Um, what sort of uh, things should they be looking for? Well, uh, I guess the key element is, is find the best uh, the best fit. You know, if you, there's no point going into a business that, um, you know, even though it's profitable, if it's not um, sustainable over the long term, you really have to wonder why you would do it. Um, some people can put up with it for a very short while, but uh, essentially, if you're going to invest a substantial amount of funding into into any business, I think that it's important to uh, to do your due diligence and make sure that uh, it's the most ideal fit with uh, with your values and and uh, your lifestyle and and all the other considerations that, that uh, we as, as as people have. And I suppose also that whether it's going to be something that you will enjoy doing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's um, there's a very good point there. Uh, it, it, you might be making money, but you might also be making yourself miserable at the same time. And again, if if that, that's okay with you, well, um, I guess you make an informed decision. But most people would probably um, probably walk, try and find something that's um, a little bit more enjoyable. There's often a lot of good press and bad press around franchises. Uh, what would be some of the uh, d- dangers, the potholes that people would fall into? I think the biggest uh, danger is um, is in the area of business advice. The, the Franchise Code of Conduct makes franchisors on the disclosure document suggest to um, potential franchisees to get uh, legal advice, financial advice and business advice. And I think that's a very, very big um, gap that people don't look into. And, and I think they don't look into it because they don't understand it. Um, it, it's a lot like, I use the analogy, it's a lot like going for a job interview and the job looks great in paper, the interview goes well, but when you start the job, the workplace isn't at all as you'd imagined and it's just not going to work. Mm. Now, how long do people, how long do people last in those scenarios? Not long. They can, they can walk out. Usually people, um, leave those types of situations. Unfortunately, in a franchise business, it's usually, they're, they're a lot more bound. They're, it's a long-term relationship and, uh, so people can find themselves stuck in a bad situation um, for sometimes quite a long time. And again, that, that adds to the misery, doesn't it? It's never going to be a great, great result. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously there are good franchises and bad franchises, and without naming any, um, yes. what are some of the challenges with, with some of the uh, not-so-good franchises? I guess um, if you understand that franchising is really around two things, and we've talked about this before, it's about the sales or the business aspect of the franchise, but there's also a relationship. Um, you're going to, as a franchisee, you're going to be in a relationship with the franchisor or the master franchisee. They may have upwards of 10 or 50 staff that you may rely on on a day-to-day uh, operation of your business. Now, if there are some challenges with those personalities or, you know, if those people aren't particularly good at their job or they, they may, you know, some people might be bullies, they might be unapproachable, they might be incompetent, you know, and, mm. and if you're relying on them to operate your business, that again it puts you on the on the back back foot from foot from the get go. So it's it's never a good thing. So that's one of the things you really need to have a look into. The same too with suppliers. I mean, 
if, if a franchisor, it's common for franchisors to say, here are suppliers that we recommend you use. Well, again, if they're always late with the deliveries, if they can't get the invoicing right or, you know, they, the prices fluctuate all over the place, again, that sort of information would be something that I would want to know before going into any business, particularly mm. a franchise business. Now, one of the other challenges sometimes with buying a franchise is it doesn't uh, deliver the goods that you expected. Oh, exactly. I mean, we we talked about this before as well. The the level of support, you know, often people uh, they go in without what I call making an informed decision, um, which means their their expectations aren't aren't uh, at a level of what's actually going to be um, achieved in reality. And you know, if that's always going to be a disappointment. And and all large problems in franchising, I think, in most business um, arenas, start as small problems and they just fester into big ones. And if uh, if that support's not what you expected, if there's misunderstandings, miscommunication there, it's always going to be difficult to maintain that relationship, and that's in in, in a great, um, very great risk of breaking down if um, with those mismanaged expectations. Now, now I've spoken with my accountant and I've spoken with my solicitor, um, but what other uh, avenues could I take to try and avoid some of these mistakes? Um, you, you need to speak to. Professionals in the industry, um, consultants who um, a lot of franchisees we've spoken to have had challenges. They've, they, for example, they've spoken to some of the other franchisees, but they really don't know what they don't know, and so they they might ask a few simple questions, but not realise that from the responses there's probably ten other questions that they could um, they could well well ask and, and um, be well advised to have the information on. So uh, anyone with, with experience in franchising or licensing. Anyone uh, who's going to help with business planning, and you know, the, there's a lot of support around that. And um, uh, with, with government organisations, there's a lot of a lot of um, resources to tap into there. So the more planning and information gathering you can do before entering into that agreement, and, and most franchise agreements are five-year terms, um, fairly conservatively. The, the better prepared you're going to be. Mm, and I suppose uh, one of the challenges is that people don't always know the business too well that they're going into and they'll accept the franchisor's uh, take on things. I know they have the disclosure document, uh, particularly in some of the areas of marketing and some of those figures. Yes, that's, that's right. The, uh, you know, it's, it's always in, in any business transaction, you know, that's why you go to, to seek a professional advice to get an objective opinion uh, because it's, we can't um, ever ever ignore that we're emotional creatures um, by and large and, and we don't go into any businesses expecting them to fail. We don't expect relationships to deteriorate. So, you know, we, we often go in there quite buoyant and, and feeling positive about things and it's really devastating, even more devastating when things don't work out because of that. So it's a great idea to go in with someone who is neutral and, you know, based on experience and... and uh, you know, expertise in the industry can help give you some real real guidance and make an informed decision, which is really what it's all about. Yeah, and uh, I believe there's a, a franchising expo coming up at Darling Harbour, which will help some people in this way? There are. There is. That's, that's exactly right. Um, that's due to kick off uh, the beginning of April, and then they, the other... Um, it'll roll around um, the other major cities in Australia, but the, the big one is in at Darling Harbour at the beginning of April, and there's a lot of good information there. The, the, um, the Franchise Council of Australia will have a stand there, and, and they're, they're a good avenue of advice. Yeah, the, I believe the uh, Franchising Council uh, actually put on seminars to help people and will probably do so at the Expo, wouldn't they? Yes, 
Yes, that's exactly right. And uh, it, it would almost be mandatory for someone who's seriously considering uh, purchasing a franchise to get along to some of those. And then, uh, if nothing else, they'll learn they'll learn what they know, and they'll find out that that what they don't know is mm-hmm. is, um, is very important, and they need to find someone who can help them help them get that information for them. And of course, there will be people there with franchises for sale, so you can get an idea of the, the range of businesses and try and find one that suits you. Yes, that, there'll be a, there'll be a huge range of um, businesses there, with all hanging out the shingles and uh, standing up loudly and proudly proclaiming their benefits and features. And uh, yeah, it's a great, um, it's actually a great insight to see the, the diversity within franchising. There's almost no industry that I can think of that hasn't been touched. Mm. with um, franchising or licensing in Australia in this day and age. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Jeff, and uh, we'll have a chat with you again another time. Looking forward to it, Julian. It's always a pleasure, and thanks for having me. Thank you. That was Jeff Ingram there from the Franchising Professionals with a few little tips there on buying a business, and if you get yourself down to Darling Harbour, great way of uh, starting. Well, now it's time to cross over to the Business Growth Centre and have a chat with Brett Gleeson. Good afternoon, Brett. This afternoon we're going to be talking about managing projects. I suppose the starting point is is what sort of projects are we talking about when we talk about managing projects? Well, I think a whole range of projects, in fact, uh, you know, from uh, building a factory through to um, organising an event or even um, recruiting a staff member can be seen as a, uh, as a project. So it's, it's any activity where there are multiple steps uh, involved, where there's lots of people involved, um, and generally over an extended time frame when there's a budget and, and obviously a, a deadline and uh, a successful outcome is uh, is you know, also you know, one of the imperatives of a, a good project. I suppose a lot of people just try and wing it. Um, what would be involved in, in good project management? Well, I think you always have to start with the end in mind. So you have to know what the end result is. So if it's a factory or if it's an event or a new staff member, then that's the end result, basically. So if you start with that, then you work backwards and say, well, how do I, how do I get there and what are all the stages involved and then what are the steps within each individual stage? So having that clear vision and knowing uh, in absolute terms what your um, outcome is, then that makes it much easier for you. So determine all those critical steps uh, and the various stages along the way and then uh, map it down, um, you know, uh, stage by stage, step by step, and then you're looking at uh, you know, who is involved and what are the relationships between those uh, those stakeholders, and then uh, you're going to be looking at some risk management at some point in time. What are the critical things and what could go wrong? Um, and you know, or sometimes it might be the weather if you're looking at an out out uh, door event or even doing a factory can you know, the weather can play havoc there. So, uh, what are your contingency plans and um, What's going to, who's, who's involved in making decisions is also a critical factor. Yeah, you need people who have the responsibility to approve uh, expenditure and make changes. You don't want to be delayed too long for those critical steps. steps. And um, good doc- documentation. Um, if you do good project management, then you're going to document the way uh, you achieve that and then sit back and um, next time around you want to look at those documents and see how you can improve it and uh, and learn the lessons along, along the way. So... Uh, uh, there could even be some OHS involved at some stage as well, so um, uh, in some projects as well. So obviously uh, a lot of people don't take that time in planning because one of the, the two biggest areas that people have problems with in projects are going over time and over budget. Yes, yep. So uh, if you 
you spend a lot of time beforehand uh, getting it right in your planning stage, then hopefully you're not going to um, you're going to allow enough time for things to go wrong, and you're going to allow enough in your budget for things to go wrong as well. And inevitably they do. Uh, but um, yeah, I think the point is that you need plenty of time to plan. If you, you only take five minutes to plan a factory, then the result might be uh, something fairly undesirable. So um, having um, plenty of time and uh, of course uh, yeah the uh, the old five p's of you know, proper planning prevents pitiful performance so um uh, a bit of a mouthful but it's actually a good a good phrase so um uh, you need you need uh, yeah, plenty of time to plan so the obvious benefits are we're going to achieve budget we're going to uh, um, do get our project finished on time any other benefits would come from that uh, yeah, the the efficient use of your resources is another benefit, um, and the optimum use of resources. So, using the right amount of resources, be they people or uh, uh, or other sort of resources, uh, to get the job done, uh, you're not wasting uh, wasting time, not wasting money, and reducing your risks as well. Uh, it's an important thing. And one of the, the I guess the unrecognised benefits of project man- good project management is that continuous improvement. So once you've done it once, you've spent a lot of time on getting it right. The next time around, it should be much easier for you. And then every time you do the same project or a similar project, you learn the lessons from the previous one. And, uh, and of course, the other benefit at the end of the day is you know, a happy boss or uh, happy clients. That's, that's uh, a very important part of it. And a happy team as well. And a happy team, exactly. That's what, yeah, yeah, so that's it's important to, you know, that uh, people... I guess the other side benefit is that, is that skill development in that uh, people will learn project management skills along the way. And uh, that's... That's a real skill to have, and it's quite popular at present, uh, those uh, acquiring project management skills. And uh, one of our popular courses, of course, is the project management. Uh, mm. It's a one-day accredited course from our diploma of management, and uh, uh, we're finding that people are wanting this more and more as a, as a, as a skill set. And uh, we've got one on the 31st of March coming up that uh, people can actually improve their skills uh, in project management. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Brett, and we'll have a chat with you again next week. Great. Thanks, Julian. Appreciate it very much. Rick Gleeson there from the Business Growth Centre, Managing Projects. Well, now it's time to have a look at our business tips for this week, and we're going with having a look at uh, Harvard Business Review. How about three ways to encourage risk-taking? Over the past few years, the economy has forced many companies to play it safe and take a few, if any, risks. If your company culture has become or has always been risk-adverse, try doing the following three things to turn it around. Number one, evaluate risk-taking. Take an honest look at your company or unit and assess whether people avoid risks. Utilise interviews, skip-level meetings or anonymous surveys to gauge whether people feel anxious or hold back ideas. Secondly, make idea sharing safe. Create a safe space where managers and employees can voice their concerns, feedback and ideas without fear of retribution. And finally, equipment. Ask a team in a part of the company you want to grow to conduct a series of rapid cycle experiments to test new ways of working. Make it explicit that failure is acceptable as long as learning comes from it. And what about this one? Don't let your job define you. Getting consumed with work is easy to do, especially when you spend most of your waking hours working. But people who only talk about their jobs are boring and one-dimensional. Here are three ways to detach yourself from work and create a more reasonable balance. First of all, assess how much time you spend at work. You may need to put in long hours at times, but make sure you're doing it for the right reason. 
Don't stay late to impress others or because you can't imagine manage your time well. Secondly, banish time hogs. If something or someone is wasting your time, get rid of it. Stop attending unnecessary meetings. Limit FaceTime with your demanding direct report or stop visiting distracting websites. And thirdly, treat non-work time as sacred. Protect your time outside of work for your health and sanity. You will only feel refreshed if you truly disconnect and recharge. Just a couple of little tips there that will help our business. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, the franchising situation and perhaps buying a franchise and a few tips that will help us there and uh, the importance of managing projects. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll look at the importance of your business image with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre. We'll look at the business and legal news that might affect you and your business and have more of those tips that will motivate you and improve your business. I'd love your company at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week and, as Bob Dylan once said, a man is a success if he gets up in the morning and goes to bed at night and in between does what he wants to.